right, fantastic. Good evening. We are entering into the fall Jewish feasts. Uh, on my calendar, I have the Jewish calendar that comes up on my calendar. So like on our calendar, we know when it's Memorial Day and it comes up Memorial Day, 4th of July. I have the, all the Jewish holidays up because the calendar that we go by isn't God's calendar. You know, the calendar, the, Julian Caesar came up with the calendar and then Pope, Pope Gregory down the road fixed it. And that's why we, we live on the Gregorian calendar. But on the Jewish calendar, it's not... 2023, it's 5784, or it will be next weekend when uh, actually Rob's preaching on Rosh Hashanah, which is Jewish New Year. Rosh Hashanah is a two-day holiday, and it's the only holiday that Jewish holiday is not on a full moon. It's on a, it's on a new moon, and it's a two-day holiday because they didn't really they gave it two days because of the people spread out all over the place, not knowing when the brand new moon was, and. Um, but anyways, Rosh Hashanah leads into Yom Kippur, which is the, the Day of Atonement, which is the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, and then they go into the Feast of Tabernacles. So this is, Rob and I are probably going to pepper you with a little bit of Old Testament here. And uh, I, um, I wanted to talk about King Hosiah tonight. King Hosiah was the third to the last king before captivity. And it's kind of interesting mathematically how it works out. We'll get that. We'll get into that down the road. So I'm going to read from Second uh, Kings, chapter 22, verse one. Messiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jediah, the daughter of Adahiah, Adahiah of Bodzkath, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Hosiah that the king set Shaphan, the scribe, son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, Meshulam, sorry, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. And let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house and doing the work of the Lord to repair the damages of the house. To carpenters and builders and masons to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand, because they deal faithfully. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Saphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Saphan, who read it. Saphan the scribe came to the king and brought word back to the king and said, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have oversighted the house of the Lord. Moreover, Saphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Saphan read it in the presence of his king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Achaim, the son of Saphan, Achbor, the son of 
Micaiah, Saphon the scribe, in the sight of the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people and all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. And we're going to go over to Second Chronicles chapter 34 and continue the story. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, probably about 16 now, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molten images. They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and the incense altars which were above them he cut down. And the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images he broke into pieces, and he made dust to them and scattered them on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burnt the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And he did so in the city of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Nepali tea, and around with axes. He broke down all the altars and the wooden images and beat the carved images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. And he returned to Jerusalem. So I started looking at the dates of everything, and I'm going to backtrack to the beginning of chapter 6 in Isaiah. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. So I want to begin with the beginning of King Uzziah's reign. It's 180 years since King David has left the throne, and it's a little over 180 years at this point till. King Nebuchadnezzar comes and tears the temple down. So we're looking at almost, you know, 375 years of history here since David's been on the throne. So from 790 to 740 was King Uzziah. He reigned for 52 years. From 740 to 732 was King Jotham. He ruled for 16 years. From 732 to 716 was King Ahaz. Then 716 to 687 BC was King Hezekiah, 29 years of rule. And from 687 to 642 BC was King Manasseh. He ruled for 55 years. And 642 to 640 was King Amon. He ruled for two years. And then there was King Hosiah, who reigned for 31 years. A king, all these kings, what you had is you had the people demanding sin. And you had rulers restraining the sin. And then another king came along, did the same thing. And then King Ahaz came. And King Ahaz came, he was a wicked king. And he gave the people their sin. And they built temples and unbelievable practices in the holy places. King Ahaz was so wicked that he, he boarded up the doors to the temple, closed it down. 
And King Hezekiah came and tried to reverse everything. King Hezekiah was a good king, followed by King Manasseh. King Manasseh was probably the wickedest king that Israel ever had. He reigned for 55 years. He was taken prisoner by the Assyrians and had a, had a conversion. And he came back and tried to undo all the wickedness he had done. He was followed by King Hosiah's father, King Amon, who was so wicked, his servants killed him after two years. So King Uzziah is eight years old, and he becomes the king of Judah. This time, a long time ago, the northern kingdom has split from the southern kingdom and been gobbled up by the Assyrians and is no longer a kingdom. So King Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 52 years. King Uzziah was a very popular king. He spread through the land, did all sorts of great stuff. But his pride got to him. And he went to the temple and he burnt incense unto the Lord. And the priests all gathered around and they tried to stop him. But he felt so prideful that he could do that because of his great conquests and all that he had done. He was stricken with leprosy. Then we had King Jotham. He became king at the age of 25. He reigned for 16 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Uzziah has done. He didn't do the wicked thing of going into the temple. But the people kept sinning. Basically, you get the kind of leadership they deserve. When the people want sin, the people want to disregard God, God ends up giving you a leader that will give you your wishes. And I see a lot of parallels in this study of ancient Israel and the country we live in, that the people have for a long time been demanding this lifestyle that we live. And then we ended up having leaders that will facilitate it. And laws were passed, and, and now we find ourselves in the situation we're in. When King Ahaz came, he was an evil king. He came, became king at the age of 20 and reigned for four years with his father, Jotham. And then his own from 732 to 716, King Ahaz destructed practices such as idol worship and sacrilege against the temple of the Lord contributed to the down, complete downfall of Judah, which ended up happening when Nebuchadnezzar was at Judah's doors. He was a wicked king. And then King Hezekiah came. And King Hezekiah was one of the few kings of Judah who was constantly where God acts. He's, he was very involved. He was close relationship with God, and he did what was good and right and faithful in the sight of the Lord. He cleaned all the pagan altars and, and smashed all the temples and destroyed it. He even destroyed the bronze serpent that Moses had put on the pole to stay the plague that was taken on the people of Israel because they had turned that into an idol. They had started worshiping the serpent. 
So the people demanded these things and the, and, and the people built all these things and the next king would come along and tear them down and then the next king would come along and they'd build them back up. King Hezekiah reinstituted the Passover as a national holiday. So all the way through King Saul, David, Solomon's rule, all the way up to Hezekiah, there was no observance of the Passover. They had forgotten. And when you forget your history, you pay a heavy price. Under Hezekiah's reforms, revival came to Judah. And then they faced a crisis one day as the Assyrian army marched down and put siege to Jerusalem. That's the way armies did it in, in the old days. They went and surrounded the city. No goods in, no goods out. They starved you out. If you didn't have enough water, enough food, sooner or later. And then they built siege ramps or whatever they built to breach your wall. And then they came in. King Hezekiah humbled himself before the Lord put on sackcloth and ashes and called all the people to repent and cry out before the Lord. In the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord came and slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers while they slept. And when the Assyrians woke up in the morning and found 185,000 men dead, they packed up and left. King Hezekiah also got sick and cried out before the Lord to the prophet. And the Lord extended his life 15 years. He had found favor with the Lord. But King Hezekiah was replaced by King Manasseh. King Manasseh was 12 years old when he took the throne. He reigned for 55 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He followed the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out of the land. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He erected altars to Baal and made an Asheron pole. As Ahab, king of Israel, had done, he bowed down to the starry host and worshipped them. He built an altars in the temple of the Lord of which the Lord said in Jerusalem, I will put my name. In the two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to the starry host. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced divination, sought omens, consulted medium and spiritualists. He did so much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. Although we're not given all the specific, Manasseh was also a treacherous king killing innocent people. Many believe that he killed Isaiah, the prophet. Manasseh shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end. He was pronounced by God to be more wicked than the Amorites who had lived in the Canaan before they were displaced by Israel. He was taken captive by the Assyrians and repented and came back and tried to undo the damage he had done. But it was, it was too late. It, the damage was done. We're talking about having male prostitutes in Solomon's temple. 
temples to these gods. That's what idol worship was. They're worshiping the principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness. I really didn't understand all this idol worship stuff until I started reading more on it, but these are actual spiritual beings that they're worshiping. And we had King Ammon, who was an evil king, the son of Manasseh. And he was the father of King Hosiah. Ammon was 22 years old when he began to rule. He was king for only two years. He was assassinated. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and his father Manasseh had done. Ammon worshipped and offered sacrifices to idols Manasseh had made. But unlike his father Manasseh, he did not humble himself before the Lord. He forsook the Lord and he was killed by his own staff. Then there's King Hosiah, son of King Ammon. He was eight years old when he took the throne. Hosiah was a godly king. We can only fathom that it must have been his mother who brought him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because if he learned from his father or grandfather, he would have been evil and wicked. Imagine they come out of the temple with the book of the law, which had been lost or misplaced. They hadn't been doing all according to all that is written in it, as Joshua said. I'll meditate on it day and night to be careful to do all that is written in it. In the eighth year of his reign, scripture records that Hosiah began to seek the Lord and he he said about restoring the house of the Lord. So he hired workmen to rebuild everything that had been torn down. He tore out all these statues. The house of prostitution that was in the Lord's house. And I'm thinking this is a lot like what we're going through. We can't believe that people want this kind of evil in the land. I mean, I don't know if it's just the media telling us that so many people are in favor of it, but, I mean, really, how many people want drag queen shows in their kindergarten class? Do people really want that? It's so wicked. They have what they call the high places. When When they erected an idol, they put it on a pedestal so that people would gather around it and everybody could see pedestal was lifted up like Nebuchadnezzar's statue had to be tall so so many people could gather around and see it all these idols had names they had gods associated with them and these gods derive their power from the worship they receive Molech was the god of child sacrifice of which Manasseh Pass his son through. Hosea was right with the Lord, and the prophetess said, You will not see the wickedness that comes upon Jerusalem because you've been, because you rent your clothes, because you saw it after the law. And in those days, there was a huge power struggle going on in the world. Assyria was a huge power. 
Egypt was a minor power and Babylon, Babylon was even a more minor power. But as Babylon grew and became more powerful, they started challenging the Assyrians and the Egyptians. The Babylonians conquered Nineveh, the, the Assyrian capital, and they went on to the next city. And Pharaoh Nebo came up to join the Assyrians to fight against the Babylonians. King Hosiah decided to go out and meet Pharaoh Nebo on the, on the battlefield, and they killed him with an arrow. So he did die in war, but he didn't die seeing Jerusalem sacked. And when Pharaoh Nico killed King Hosiah, they brought him in a chariot home and they buried him. And his son Jehoahaz took the role as king. When, when the Pharaoh came back, he came to Jerusalem and he took Jehoahaz, who was Hosea's son, and took him out of power and put his other son in place of him. His name was Elohim. And he changed his name to Jehoahaz. And he ruled in Israel for 11 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And at the end of the 11 years of his reign, ended with the siege of Nebuchadnezzar, a 30-month siege on Israel and Jerusalem. It's not the first time that Nebuchadnezzar had actually seized Jerusalem. He did it, I think, 597. He came and he took articles out of the house of the Lord. But when he came back in 586, he destroyed the temple. He ripped it down, took everything out of the temple. 50 years before that, the spirit of the Lord had left the temple. Ezekiel writes about it. The spirit of the Lord left the temple, went out the eastern gate, went to the Mount of Olives and ascended to heaven. So it was never ever God in the temple again. He departed. His spirit was never there. So they went through the practices as, as in the time of Christ. They had the curtain and they did the whole practice. The spirit of the Lord was no longer there. He had departed. This is where we get Daniel. Daniel is one of the captives who was taken out of, out of Jerusalem. So some of the, the practices that, that happened in there, they had the Asherah and Baal, Baal. And there was power struggles by these gods. So you would worship one god who is the god of fertility and rich harvests and hoping he would defeat this other god who is the god of drought and famine and barrenness. And that's why the people were so interested in worshiping these gods that they would get blessings from them. This is, what, this is really what the Tower of Babel was about. The Tower of Babel was about, we're going to create a structure, 
we're going to confine God to the structure, and then we're going to make cut deals with him. That's what idolatry is about. You go and give worship, you do all this stuff, so you get the favor of the God. And this is what the practices were in Canaan before the people came in. And this is when God told them to take the land and just get rid of all the practices. Don't do this. But they're giving honor to these principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. They're giving them the praise and worship that is due the living God. And all through Syria are these temples to these gods. Still standing. Ruins of them. You go to Ephesus. There's a lot of temples. The temple of which was a big temple in Ephesus is now no longer there. You can't, there aren't really any ruins of it, but it, it was in Roman times it was to Diana. In Greek times it was to Artemis, who were fertility gods. And these were places that people went and had sexual practices in worship to these deities. This is what was going on in the holy temple that Solomon had built. This is so defiled. So when we hear the temple was torn down, you have to understand why it was torn down. It was no longer the temple where the spirit of the living God lived. It was an abomination. It had become an abomination. And it's the heart of the people. It's, it's, not, the, it's not that an evil king arose and took the people astray. It's the people were astray. And they got the evil king that they deserved. He basically justified them and put more altars up and built more shrines and all that. And God would send a good king to try to get them back on track and they would start repenting, get back on track, and then they'd go back again. And if you look at the history of, of Israel, they were more wicked times than there were righteous times. The entire northern kingdom turned its back on God. They were hanging on by a thread. This is why it's so amazing nowadays that Israel has been restored as a nation. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. We live in amazing times. God has purposed us to live in amazing times. And we look out there at the world and we go, oh man, it's, it's just crazy. No matter how hard you try to make things right here, it just seems that evil just wins every time. But God always has a remnant always has a remnant. And I believe that, that we are that remnant here in this land. And God is calling us to be holy. He's calling us to stop doing the things of this world. We can't find our pleasure in the things of this world. You know, Daniel, when he's drugged to Babylon... They tell him this whole thing, you're going to get the delicacies of the king. You're going to get the king's wine. That's not the finest in the land. You're, you're eating the stuff prepared for the king. The most powerful nation in the world, you're getting to eat the same food he eats. You're getting to drink the same wine he drinks. You're getting to participate in the finest things of Babylon, the greatest schools of Babylon. But they said no. Bring us vegetables. We won't eat that. And the head eunuch says, no, that's not going to work. 
I like my head attached to my neck and my shoulders. You do that, and I'm going to lose my head. Of course, they're risking losing their lives over not wanting to eat the king's food. But we all have to ask ourselves, are we dining on the king's delicacies? Are we willing to risk our lives not to dine on the king's delicacies? All these kings took their stand. And it's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to be a mess in this world. It's hard to hold the truth. It's hard to stand up when you're in school, when you're at work, when you're anywhere. It's hard to stand up and be that Christian because you're going to get ostracized. But that's what the Lord is calling us to do, and he's equipping us with the Holy Spirit to do just that. You know, in this, this idol worship, it just really hit me. Wow, these are real little gods that are getting worship. They have little dominions over areas. And the people sacrifice their children to Moloch. I mean, I, I know in, in Irish history, they had a little statue with its arms out, and they'd put it in a fire, and they'd get hot bronze, and they'd take a newborn and put it in its arms for crops, for rain. How can you, how can you get to that point? You're so deceived, you're so in darkness that you don't even recognize that your own son, King Manasseh, king of Israel, put his own son to worship his own son to Moloch, put it in the fire. And it, and it was the same thing. Moloch was a big, huge statue, and they put a fire in it and put your, put your newborn in, in that fire. It was a practice, and they did it to bring these gods, to bring favor upon themselves. And they had these statues of these gods in God's temple. It's been it's, it's a very lightning trip to, to, to go back in history and research this and, and find out that we think of the temple as the holiest place ever, but it became just a terrible place. It became a Sodom and Gomorrah headquarters because people were wicked. And then we have to look at our nation and wonder where we're at in the mess and how we can bring righteousness to our land. And we have, to, we have to do it by prayer. We have to be on our face before the Lord, crying out, Lord, heal our land. Bring righteous people to our land. Because, I mean, as much as we try to vote the right person in, every time you seem to vote someone in who says that they're good, as soon as they get in the system, they end up not being the person that they said they were going to be. And that's what God's calling us to be to be holy before him. So I, I got to love King Hosiah being eight years old. How can you be eight years old and be thrust into being a king of a land? Especially a, a king of a land in a geopolitical situation they're in where Egypt and Babylon and Assyria are struggling. And Babylon ended up conquering Assyria, Egypt, and, and Judah. They, they conquered the whole land. They became the most powerful nation until the Medo-Persian Empire. They became the most powerful nation in the region where Egypt was, I mean, Egypt was a kingdom for many, many years, very strong. And Assyria became very powerful. Babylon, 
overcame them. Kingdom's days are numbered. So that, that's pretty much what I have tonight. And, uh, praise God that uh, we can learn, we can look at what other kingdoms have done and learn.